Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Conversations with the Industry. I'm Elise Levy, and I am accompanied by my co-hosts, Holly Henry and Larry Elibitz of the Investing Advice Roundtable. Today, we are speaking to Megan Kaiser of Amethyst Financial Services. Megan, thanks so much for being here to talk to us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I actually have the pleasure of knowing Megan personally as we met through a mutual friend. He introduced me to Megan because she's a great resource for new individuals or businesses getting started and has also helped more established ones like him, as well as many others. I'm excited that she was able to join us today. And before we start our discussion with Megan, Holly, would you mind giving us an introduction for Megan? Absolutely. Megan Kaiser founded Amethyst Financial Services in 2018 to provide small businesses with customized bookkeeping and accounting services. She is an enrolled agent, a federally authorized tax repairer, and has a strong background in accounting and finance through small business and corporate positions. She focused on continuing education and keeping up to date on tax law changes to provide the most accurate tax advice possible, as well as creating accounting systems and processes to make it easier for small business owners to focus on running their business. When not working, she enjoys reading and spending time with her husband and two children. Great. Thanks so much, Holly. Let's dive into some questions. Uh, Megan, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, where you're from, where you're born, you know, grew up, college, et cetera, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've lived in Ohio my entire life. So I grew up in a um, smaller town. (laughs) Um, I think my graduating class was 88 people. So um, pretty little. And I came to Columbus for, uh, to go to, uh, okay, I have to say it correctly, the Ohio State University. (laughs) Um, and we just haven't left. So, I uh, met my husband in college and we kind of stuck around the area and it's been well, a long time now. We'll just leave it at that. So yeah, nice. Yeah. I, I went to the Ohio state university as well. So yeah, nice. I never say uh, it like that. And then other alums get all like up in arms about it. I was like, Oh, pardon me. <laughs> yeah. Me either. So why did you become an enrolled agent, yeah. not CPA? Like what's the difference? You know, what led you down that yeah. path? So the, and and I get that question a lot is like, what's the difference? And a lot of people kind of interchange CPA with account and they think to be an accountant, you have to be a CPA. And it's not, it's not really true. To be honest, like I was going down the CPA route. I was taking all the classes. I was going to sit for the exam and um, I had already built my bookkeeping business because that's something I had done a lot of for years. And I've worked in various finance, like through my time in like a big corporation before going out on my own. Um, so like most people, I thought CPA is the way to go. And I realized like, I have no desire to do audits. Like a lot of the stuff that CPAs have to spend a lot of time on, like studying and taking the exam felt like a massive waste of my time because that's not at all an area I want to get into. What I wanted was to add tax preparation to more effectively give my clients good advice to be able to help file. So if they wanted everything in a one-stop shop to handle bookkeeping taxes, everything, that I could provide that. And so really the difference is is that the enrolled agent is a federal designation that focuses solely on taxes. It's a three-part exam. We have continuing education. Um, I mean, they keep up on us to make sure we're doing things correctly and we have to renew things on it. A CPA is a a state designation and it's more broad, four-part exam, four completely different areas. There are a lot of CPAs out there that don't do taxes. They don't want to. Um, I actually personally know several in the area. And so a lot of times people say like, oh, I need a CPA to do my taxes. Like, well, not necessarily for 
multiple reasons because enrolled agents or CPAs could do it, but also there are some out there that just don't do them because that's not what they want. Whereas that's the only part I wanted to add. So it just worked out for me to be able to kind of focus in on the one area I wanted to add versus using a lot of time and money on things that I knew I didn't want. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If you're only going to be focusing on taxes and you don't need those other yeah. pieces, why waste the time and money? Yeah, exactly. And I already had the accounting and the bookkeeping pieces. And so it, yeah, it just, the, the benefit didn't outweigh <laughs> um, the costs and the time and the time was mostly it. So I just wanted to be able to more uh, timely help out my clients. So. Yeah, it's great. So like, what's your favorite part about being an EA, an enrolled agent? Um, I mean, maybe not the EA in general, but like what I do completely, like I, oh, I mentioned I worked for like a larger corporation for a long time. And one of the things when I left was trying to figure out, like, I want to start something that I, I wanted that more instant gratification. I wanted to know that what I did mattered. And sometimes you get buried in like a 10, 20,000 people company and you know, it's not really going to make that big of a difference. And whereas now what I do, like I can actively save people money. Like I'm studying this stuff and I'm trying to keep up to date on all the changes and trying to do everything I can to make sure I know what's going on. And so I can point out things like, Hey, have you thought about, you know, this, this, and this, and then like my mantra is kind of like, you know, let's all pay the IRS. Let's pay what we owe, but not a penny more than that. (laughs) Like just do everything legitimately that we can do that you can take deductions. Like let's take all of them that you can legitimately take. And not pay any more than that. And that's what I know I can do to help people with. So yeah, I guess that's that's what I really enjoy about it from all aspects. Yeah, that's great. So I know you mentioned uh, about some of the tax law changes and, and Holly actually mentioned that in the introduction as well. Yeah. So how, how's the industry changed like since you started? Like how do you keep up with all those different changes in the tax laws? Yeah, it, it's tricky. Um, so I came on before the um, before COVID hit. And I will tell you, like a lot of preparers are retiring and leaving because it was just too much. And I get it. It, This has been a lot to deal with. Um, I will say one of the ways that kind of handled it, I get a ton of questions because I've built my entire business through networking. And so I I meet with people a lot. I go to various networking groups. And inevitably, whenever there's a lot of news articles and, well, this bill is being introduced and this is being voted on, what does that mean? I've just kind of shut down like, look, nothing's changing until it's signed and into law. I'm not looking at it because it's going to change 50 times before it gets to anything finalized. But once it does, then I have some fun reading to do. And so um, it's a lot of, you know, sitting down and reading as best I can, the actual document that they sign and seeing what they plan on changing. And then um, a lot of times, like we do end of year, like uh, continuing ed, I do a lot. I do more than what I'm technically required to do just to, keep brushed up on the things that I want to know how to do. And a lot of times they're year-end tax law changes. So they take what's happened, summarize it nicely for us, and we can focus in just on what's changed. And um, so, yeah, the continuing ed is a really important part of that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we obviously, you know, as financial advisors, we have a lot of changes in the industry as well. You know, there's the new Secure Act 2.0 that you know, just recently was signed as well. And a lot of people were talking about it before it was signed, like you said, but got to read all the details and and review it as well. Yeah. I find myself saying that a lot because, you know, there, there was so many different, especially like the banking industries, like how much they were going to have to report of deposits and everybody's panicking. I'm like, 
and watch it changed. Like they kept changing their minds as to how much <laughs> they were going to require. So I was like, just leave it be until we actually know what they agree on. Then we'll deal with it. And yeah. I think that's really good advice, Megan, because everybody gets so freaked out and it's yes. good to just wait and see what the final result is. Exactly. Um, so for people out there who are preparing to get their tax filed this year, is there any tax saving tips that you might have for them? So maybe people who are filing as individuals versus a business. A lot of times, and I try to get to people earlier than now, um, and that's kind of the challenge is a lot of people ask now what they can do, mm-hmm. but it's mostly what they can do throughout the year. And so that's what I really have tried to, for lack of a better term, train <laughs> my clients on. It's like tracking their mileage, tracking their odometer. Like I'm that fun person at like January 1st saying, hey, everybody, write down your odometer reading, <laughs> you know, happy new year. And here I'm, but if you do it right then, it's a once a year task. And um, that helps calculate your business versus personal mileage and stuff. Cause that's one thing that, you know, I've had a few people come to me like, oh, I don't know my mileage, but just put this I'm like, well, now that you said it to me like that, no, I cannot do that because <laughs> I know they're making up a number. We have to have accurate information with backup and records for it for you to leg- legitimately be able to write something off. So, and then keeping the receipts, like a lot of times people do charitable giving and they don't actually track like how much they gave and that can add up significantly. Same thing with like, you know, you take some things to Goodwill and they don't actually give you a dollar amount. They just give you a itemized list of what you donated. You actually need to put in the effort to look up the value of said items to be able to get the write-off because otherwise I can't do anything with a receipt that just says, you know, three pieces of furniture and five bags of clothing. I don't know what to do with that. So we actually need to know the condition and things like that. Um, That's more on like the individual. Well, the mileage is very much a business. So for the business stuff, it's keeping very good bookkeeping records throughout the year, tracking their business and personal mileage, a lot of that. And then on the personal end, yeah, I mean, some of that stuff is a receipt. Some people don't realize, like, if it, especially if all of this totals up to exceed the standard deduction, you could save a little more that way. Um, track how much you spend on medical uh, expenses. Um, yeah. Keeping all of your forms. Like, I don't know how to put it. Like, you just got to track things throughout the year. Um, and then sometimes there are things like, you know, financial investments. I have to be very cautious on advising what to invest in, but I can tell them the tax implications of what they choose. But uh, a lot of times people, you know, want to invest in various accounts to try to um, save a little bit that way. And sometimes that's a very good idea. And so I like to work with them and their financial advisor um, or get them one. (laughs) So that way um, we can have a good conversation around that. Definitely. And I think in both businesses, that detail-oriented really serves people long-term and yeah. even though it's not very attractive to people in the long-term, it really can help them succeed financially. Yes. <laughs> um, so kind of along the same lines, what is one of the most common mistakes you see with people when they're filing their taxes every year? It's usually a balance between, I see people who aren't writing off enough, like they just aren't keeping good records. And so they're missing things that they realistically could write off. Um, I'm trying to get my questionnaires and stuff a little more detailed so people know to, they might know to tell me that they contributed to a 529 account, like a college savings account. But if I ask, then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I did. And that can help at the state level. So different things like that. I'm trying to make sure I ask the right questions. The other side of the coin is I see a lot of times people like write off way more than they should. Um, I've had instances of people like you can't 
write off like some personal care things. Like they want to take regular salon appointments or Botox and they want to write it off as a business expense. And you cannot do that. The IRS language is incredibly clear. Um, And then, you know, other times I've had them like some people who own rental properties and they're trying to write off their entire mortgage payment. And they're not very happy with me because I'm sitting there telling them like, no, you can only write off the interest payment, not the whole thing. And I'm not always the most popular person when I tell them those things, but I'm telling them like, you know, if you get audited, this is going to come back and get you. And that's what I'm here for. It's like, I want to make you help you do this as legal as possible. (laughs) And so that way, like I always tell kind of my bookkeeping clients, like, I can't promise you're not going to get audited, but I can promise like if, if we keep good records, it's a minor annoyance and nothing that you actually need to actively worry about. If you do things correctly, you're fine. I'm not going to say you're not going to be annoyed because you will be, but at least, you know, you did everything right. So it's kind of a balance between those two, either too much or too little. <laughs> I think so too. And we have a saying with financial advising, it's like we can advise you all you want, but at the end of the day, you're going to do what you're going to do. <laughs> yeah. And I've had some opt to, to do it themselves or to go to someone else. Like one, like, well, my prior person let me write off Botox. I'm like, well, then go to them. Yeah, but I, I I can't do it because I know you shouldn't, and I'm not going to risk my license over it. So it's just, yeah, it, it's not it, those things are not worth it to me. So, um, but that's what I try to most like clients I have. Like I I am very careful about who I take on. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I interview people just as much as they do me, and pretty much most people stick with me for a while because we end up having a really good relationship. Like that was the thing. Like I love what I do because I love the people I work with. And that's what I always want to keep. And so most are, you know, very happy to kind of take the advice. And if I don't know something, I'm honest. And I tell them, let me go find out like, Hey, this is a new one. Nobody's asked me this before. So I'll go find out and get back with you. And, uh, I'm always learning, which I like. (laughs) And you're looking out for them and, you know, it's having those hard conversations now, so they don't have to deal with it in an accelerated higher consequence situation. So yeah. You're looking out for them, and I'm sure they all appreciate that very much. Yeah. Um, so how can people avoid red flags or mishaps with their returns or audits? Um, a lot of that comes to, like, I, I for lack of a better term, kind of following the rules. Like, there's a lot of stuff on social media. Like, I'm telling you, when conversations start out with, hey, I heard this thing on TikTok, it, it <laughs> I can feel myself tense up because sometimes it's legit, sometimes it's outright not, or sometimes it's like a blur in the middle where they, they're saying the right thing. Like my one thing with like businesses, there's a thing called S corporations. Um, it's a, like an election you could make that can save you on taxes. If you do it correctly, if you meet all of the guidelines for it being the right fit for you. But sometimes people go on like TikTok or YouTube and they see these people talking about it, but they don't talk about all the stuff that you have to do to make sure it makes sense for you or that you're doing it correctly. And so I have, I've actually had this conversation recently telling someone like, you have to do X, Y, and Z to stay in compliance, or that is a massive red flag to the IRS. So the way that they do audits is like, sometimes it's based on flags, like the system will flag something and then they want to investigate it a little further, but sometimes it's random. And so, you know, you've got a shot at it either way, but don't go waving a flag at them and not doing something correctly and inviting it. And then you're not going to be happy. And so a lot of times it's when, yeah, the ones who are just doing things either incorrectly, either out of ignorance um, and not in a bad way, they just 
I've never had anybody to ask. And that's where I kind of come in and help make sure they know what to do or through getting bad advice from other people. And so I try to jump in like, well, that's not right. Here's what you need to do to fix it and get them on the right track. You know, it's funny that you brought up TikTok because I think all of us here in this group that's financial advisors have the exact same frustration with TikTok. You get these people on there saying, here is how you invest money. Don't listen to these financial advisors because here is the way to make a million dollars. And instead of actually talking to someone that's a professional that is licensed, they're going to go and find someone on TikTok and follow them. And it just sometimes to me doesn't make a lot of sense that that's who they're going to run to. (laughs) Yeah. And and there are some, I'm sure, legitimate people on there. I swear they're not the ones that are sending me stuff. Yeah. I think one of the recent ones I saw uh, someone told me about it was like, tax deduction or write-offs that your preparer doesn't tell you about. And they're all the standard ones that we tell you about. (laughs) So it's like, well, no one's keeping a secret here. Like it makes us feel good if we could save you money. We're not, I I, I get no joy out of telling you, you have a massive tax bill. Oh, absolutely. As we're actually prohibited from posting anything on TikTok, we are very um, restricted on where we can post anything. And even before we post anything to social media or website, it's got to go through compliance. There's a lot that has to go into this. And and most people don't realize how much has to go into us even posting anything anywhere. So, yep. I I kind of, well, and I admit, I'm just not a big social media person, even personally, I just don't do it very much. Um, So that's probably part of it. But like, I also am very cautious on what I put out there because I'll get questions like, Hey, what about this? What about, and sometimes, or they'll ask about my mom has this situation and they're trying to, you know, ask a question on behalf of the parent. I'm like, look, I can answer very generically, but I cannot tell you how to handle it. And you guys, I know deal with this. I have to see their situation because I could say, oh yeah, they do X, Y, and Z. And then they wouldn't have to pay tax on this or something like that. But maybe I'm missing a big piece of the puzzle and I don't know. And right. so I don't ever want to steer anyone wrong. And right. yeah, I feel really bad because sometimes I'm like, nope, I'm going to have to talk to them. We're going to have to deep dive. Like we actually have to look at it. And I know they're just wanting a quick question, like a quick answer, but they don't always exist. Right. And there are certain fields that you really just don't want the quick answer. Like you yes. want to make sure that they understand everything. And I feel like in both of these fields, we're there. Yes. Like, like you want to make sure that the person that's giving you advice knows the situation from every angle. And so, no, I think we can all feel your frustration. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So why or when do you feel like someone should work with an EA or a CPA instead of doing their taxes on their own? Yeah. I'd say once you really start getting into small business, property rentals, things like that. Um, I've actually turned some people away before when they just have straight up W-2 only. Like, don't get me wrong. I still do several of those and I'm happy to help them with it. But I warned them. I was like, I actually don't know what TurboTax or any of their pricing is right now. It might be cheaper for you to do it on your own. And I I'm, I tell them like for years, you know, we filed our taxes through like the self-file stuff like that. Cause when the years we were just W2, there wasn't anything complicated about it. But as soon as you get into business and have small businesses or 1099 income, TurboTax is only as good as the info you put into it. Like It's gotten better. They ask you some leading questions to try to get you to put things in. And that's great. But having someone to kind of poke and guide and say, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Where's this form? Like really try to get you to think of as much as like, and help you get your records in place. So that way, you know how to track things again throughout the year. Um, 
I'm trying to get more people, like instead of them scrambling to have to spend like a day, you know, going back through the year to like document all their home office expenses for that deduction, I'm trying to like give them a template. It's like every month when you pay your cell phone bill, write down the amount. Like you're going to thank yourself a year from now. <laughs> like, yeah, I, you know, I feel so. like I need you in my life right now. <laughs> Are you licensed for Arkansas? <laughs> well, and, and that's so, uh, so I have, so federal designation, I can help pretty much any state, but I'm cautious which ones I take oh. because I want to understand the state. So I actually only file for maybe four or five states at the moment because they're the ones I already have bookkeeping clients there. I have tax clients there. I've studied it up enough to be all very confident. Yeah. Um, I'm always open to adding more, probably not this last minute, uh-huh. but I, if someone, you know, let me know, like I might reduce <laughs> on your own, up Arkansas this year <laughs> and see, you know, get you prepared for next year. And well, I, yeah. And, and full disclosure, I do have a tax accountant, but I think he like frowns when he sees me coming. Cause I'm one of those that I'm last minute. And probably not the ideal candidate, but I do need someone to like hold my hand and just send me reminders and then I'll get it done. And what's funny is like the group of three of us, that's Elise. Elise holds mine and Larry's hand. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you want reminders? That is what I'm here for. I'm constantly poking at people. And, and that's one of the things I'm looking at. Like we're trying to get our systems more efficient and I've got a team of like five people work for me. So like, I, I, I love, like, they're all really wonderful. So we all work together very closely. It's like, I want to be able to send those reminders automatic to people and let them know, Hey, we need this or Hey, do this this month and make sure that they've got it. So that I've got you covered on, but yeah, I might, I might add Arkansas to my list just for oh, the you future. So you briefly talked about this a second ago, but I want you to go more into detail what do you find is important to look for in an EA or a CPA when deciding who to work with? Um, I mean, it sounds weird to say this first, but personality fit is part of it. Like you got to have somebody that you want to work with. And um, like I've had some people, I'm not the right fit. I think they're really wanting someone who's been at this, you know, they're been at it like 30 years or something like that. And, you know, that's fine. <laughs> like, um, so I, I'd say, yeah, again, I know that the kind of personality, but also like find somebody that does the continuing education, that they know what they're doing and keep like we all have a requirement of that, like the minimum every year. So don't get me wrong, everyone should be doing it. But it's not actually that hard. There's a site that like you can look at to make sure someone is a tax preparer in good standing. Look okay. that up. Can you give us <laughs> that website or do I need to do it? IRS. I'll send you the link. Okay. <laughs> because that's good information to know. I mean, as financial advisors, we have the same protocol. There's a yeah. website that people can go to to see who's in good standing and who's not, but not the normal person is going to know that. Same yeah. thing in the industry. I didn't know that there's a website that I could go and look for. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's a very good information to know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you want to make sure they're in good standing. They know what they're doing. Ask them questions. Like they need to ideally have at least somewhat specialty in tax. Like I, I'd say my business is 80, 20, 80% bookkeeping and accounting, 20% tax preparation. And I like it that way because to me, that's the opposite of what most preparers do. Most have a dedicated tax preparation service, and then they try to fit and supplement the rest of the year. And I do the opposite. Like we've got steady business. We work with clients all throughout the year to make sure they are in great shape. And then we do taxes and stuff on top of that like over this season. Well, I should say over the season, but it 
prolongs <laughs> every year. It kind of goes and goes until October. And the next thing you know, it starts all over again. Um, but uh, somebody who actually spends the time and really tried to make sure that it's not just getting in your 16 or whatever hours of continuing ed. And that's all like staying up to date is a big deal. Well, so, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. What's a big misunderstanding people have about being an EA? Well, it's more like people don't know what it is. <laughs> and so um, I find myself explaining it and that's fine. And I'm sure I'm positive. I have lost business or people haven't come to me along the way because they didn't see CPA on it. I'm okay with that. I'm not over here trying to get every bit of business. And that's, again, I'm kind of picky. Um, I am more than happy to explain the difference. If someone's still not comfortable with it, that's okay. But honestly, once I explain it, everybody's like, oh, all right. <laughs> and, you know, because it, it matters just that you have the authorization. Like I am a, I, I can represent you to the IRS. Like, um, I don't do a ton of representation. Like when we talk about going to tax court, I don't do a lot of that, thankfully. <laughs> like it just hasn't really come up, um, but I could. So in the same thing as the CPA. Um, so it's more just people don't know what it is. And so I educate when it comes up and if I lose out on things, that's okay. Um, we're keeping plenty busy. So happy to help uh, whoever comes our way. Okay, Megan, what's one hobby people will be surprised you're interested in? One hobby? One hobby. Oh, interesting. Well, um, I actually um, taught knitting and crochet for a while. Oh, yeah. I love so, it. Yeah. It's one of those things I'm like, I'm a big proponent of. Like, don't turn your hobby into a business. I kind of briefly tried that and no, it, it ruined it a little. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I learned it in college and it, yeah, I, good enough I can teach it. And so, so yeah. did you crochet baby blankets for your kids? I've done a ton of that. Like, in fact, right now, because I just don't have as much time and I also read a lot. That's my kind of preferred hobby at the moment. But um, I'm working on like more lap blankets. So like bigger projects. And um, my kids keep trying to steal them from me. So I'm letting them have a couple. But there's one. I'm warning them like, this is mine. Like, don't touch it. <laughs> yes. I'm finally making one for me because they get pretty much all of the others but yeah they have little hats and everything I, I make them a new one like whenever they yeah love it well thanks megan we really appreciate the time today uh we hope that you enjoyed today's podcast with megan and found it as interesting and informative as we did if you are ready to begin working with a financial advisor please reach out to us via social media also be sure to subscribe to our spotify to listen to future podcast episodes and check out our youtube page for more of our video content. Thanks. Our disclosure statement. I'm Holly Henry with River Valley Wealth Management. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. I'm Larry Elevitz with Redwood Financial Group. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA slash SIPC. I'm Elise Levy with Legacy Wealth Planning, securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC, investment advice offered through Legacy Wealth Planning, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only 
and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.